and I'm Reed McCollum, welcoming you back to another episode of Essential Dynamics. Mr. Derek Hudson. Derek, are you there? Reed, I'm here. I'm excited. Let's get this going because this is a big episode. A big episode. I, I can see that because we have a special guest in the in the uh, in the house, and we're very very glad that she is here. Derek, would you please introduce her, and then uh, let's talk. Sure. So I'm happy to introduce my colleague, Anne McTaggart, CPA, CA, CMC. Anne and I have done a bunch of work together over the years, and she's recently tuned into Essential Dynamics. I'm really interested to hear what another accountant thinks of what we're doing. And uh, also want to talk about um, how we apply Essential Dynamics to the most interesting job in the world. Chief Financial Officer. So first of all, as we begin, maybe Anne, you could tell us just a little bit about your background and how you got, uh, ended up working with me on stuff. Okay, thanks, Derek. Um, I, uh, my background, obviously, CPA, CA, CMC. Um, I met you back in the day at our articling firm, uh, Pricewaterhouse, now PwC. And uh, you were working on your mentorship and leadership skills there because you were a little ahead of me in the, in the firm. Um, I think uh, you left the firm after I did, but I got uh, self-selected out um, from the auditing world and decided that I wanted to go out and see the other side of the audit desk and uh, worked in a number of different places in industry and um, have kind of touched base back with you over the years and currently working with you on the unconstrained CFO and with um, some common clients that we have. And I will also uh, accredit you with my current uh, consulting practice, which has now been, if you can believe it, a decade um, as of next month. Um, you were the guy that helped me get my very first clients and start my journey as a consultant and a what I like to call a professional uh, helper. And um, those clients have been um, mostly helping in the CFO role. So doing that fractional CFO work and using my experience in industry before that as a CFO or a controller or a finance professional in other companies, uh, now helping smaller companies that can't have a full-fledged CFO in their, in their uh, four walls today. So why is CFO like the coolest job you could possibly have? And and we, we're here with a radio personality and an actor and screenwriter. How do we convince them that we CFO is the coolest job that you could have? Well, it's kind of like it's, it is the coolest job because you get to see everything. Even though you're not the number one in the organization, you, you could be as well, but you get to see all the parts of the organization and only be responsible for a little part of it. So your ability to see areas where you can add value are best when you can see the whole landscape. Super. I agree. I agree. And I've had that experience. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in the context of essential dynamics. I, uh, 
I just want to jump in here and say that until this episode, my personal opinion was that the greatest job that anybody could have was assistant crack whore. But I am very glad to have been corrected on that. I will now proceed in my life with the ambition to become a CFO. Go ahead. Okay. Thanks, Reed. So I, I just uh, realized we dumped an alphabet soup out there on people and our listeners come from a broad swath of society. So CPA is a chartered professional accountant. CA is the best kind of chartered professional accountant, which is a chartered accountant. And then certified bias. No. And then certified management consultant means that we're professionals that don't have to do just number stuff. We're also management consultants. And a CFO is a chief financial officer. And we all know that uh, money makes the world go round. And so if you're the, in charge of the money in an organization, as Anne says, you get to see everything end to end. So, Anne, I'm interested in your reaction. And I don't need compliments here. I don't often get them. But I'm interested in your reaction to what you've seen with Essential Dynamics, where you know, for 20 episodes or more, we really haven't talked very much about financial stuff. And um, I feel like I should go back to my roots. That's one of the reasons we want to talk today. So, you know, what questions do you have or what observations do you have about the things that we've talked about on this podcast so far? Hmm. I don't know what I have about the questions until it flies into my mind, but I do have some um, observations and I know that, uh, you know, in earlier versions, you talked about how you got to developing this framework, and that's what I'm going to call it, um, or a lens, or it's kind of like sunglasses for looking through a lens at your business or your business problem, or even areas in your life. Um, I know that you well-read, researched, and pulled together um your thoughts and did a lot of thinking about how all of these pieces fit together. Um, I love the fact that in my experience as a CFO or even as just an accountant um, or consultant going in and being that professional helper, what you learn to do over your years of experience in any career, not just in finance, all business problems need to be looked at from various angles and that whole people path and purpose sort of summarizes those three angles you can look at. So where is my root cause of this particular symptom that I'm seeing and the purpose X and purpose Y talks to you about the why is the root cause what it is, but the people path and purpose is the approach. So that's how I read that framework. So they think that uh, us, we accountants only think about the numbers, but the way I think about it is, is there's a story and then there's the numbers and the numbers have to match the story. And so the idea of a quest, if you think about it in you know, big picture, the quest is a story. Um, so let me, let me let me test you a little bit, and you can, it's fair if you ask me the same question. In the projects you've worked on in your career, have there been any situations where the 
the work that you did ended up sort of pushing against or challenging the purpose of an organization or confirming what the quest actually was? I think I can't, I don't have a, a way to articulate the yes answer, but I would, I would put that back to you to kind of tell me more and then I might be able to come up with something a little more concrete. Uh, she's good, isn't she, Reed? Yeah, she's good. Um, so one of the uh, projects that I've, I've been working on, um, I mean, actually, let me just go back a little bit. In, early in the pandemic, um, I talked to a bunch of business owners and I was, you know, my consulting practice had just started. I wasn't very hopeful that I would get uh, new clients, you know, and get, get paid when everyone was shutting everything down and didn't know what was going to happen. I was really scared, but I talked to a bunch of business owners and one of the things I identified was that the business owner um, got into their business for a particular reason and viewed it a certain way. But the business itself was, uh, be, had become a separate entity to the owner because the business had customers, employees, suppliers, there was a system. Sometimes the owner was, you know, shoulders deep into the system. Sometimes they're a bit more removed. But even though the owner owned 100% of the business, because it was this complex interaction of, uh, of a bunch of people um, with money flowing back and forth between companies, the owner couldn't just, it wasn't just the owner anymore. And um, so some of the owners were then thinking, you know, what do I want as we face this pandemic? But they also had this other problem, which is what do these people need? What does this system need? You know, and maybe the thought first went to their employees or maybe it went to their customers. Um, but there was a clear distinction between the owner's interests and the interests of the organization, even if the owner owned 100%. And it was that thinking that got me, I think that was the thing that bro broke or that made uh, obvious for the first time purpose X and purpose Y. So purpose X, you know, for the owner initially started the company to make money had an idea, had an investment opportunity, a product or whatever, and they started the company to make money because they needed to make money to provide for their needs and their family. Uh, but then this, this uh, organization grows up and all of a sudden exists to supply this you know, valuable product to its customers. And then there's employees and families that rely on the employees and stuff like that. Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that's some of my uh, early thoughts on you know, purpose X, purpose Y, the purpose of an organization. And that has really big implications, even for how you would do financial analysis. So how's that back at you? Oh, that's pretty deep, Derek. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that where I can sort of jump into that is when you talk about how the, the the business becomes an entity of its own with its own needs and wants and self-propulsion system and the owner. Um, so working with owners and working with coaching owners on how they keep track of this octopus that has, has um, grown so many legs 
is is part of what we do, you know, in in business coaching. So I think that that would be my applicable experience where you're trying to help the owner let go to the right things, but still be able to have their purpose and and carry on with their quest of what they want from that organization versus um, letting them let go and share in uh, supporting the purpose of the organization and the employees that are in it that are driving maybe in a slightly different direction, sometimes in an opposing direction and sometimes sort of side by side. Uh, so, so one of the things that that makes me think of is um, a word that I really like that I've been studying a little bit in the last few weeks, and that is stewardship. And mm-hmm. if, uh, if accounting is anything, it's um, the mechanism by which, uh, you know, a stewardship uh, relationship can be established and monitored. So if you think about the um, sort of historical concept of a steward as the property owner or the king or whatever can't be on top of everything. So he appoints a steward as his agent. And then the agent has a responsibility to act as if they were the owner but they're not the owner. Um, and we might get uh, the, the one literary example that, uh, that I'm thinking of is the steward of Gondor in Lord of the Rings. And I, and I know you don't pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> so Reed, you might, Reed might have a comment on that one. Well, I think so. Yeah, I, I would think of Higgins on, the, on uh, Robin's property in Magnum P.I. She is the, well, she now, but she is the steward Robin, who is never seen on the series, actually owns the place. Thank you very much. I'm here all. Yeah, Reed, Reed, good. Thanks for bringing that up. So um, modern, uh, like, corporate financial systems separate ownership from management. So, you know, our RSP investments are in mutual funds that are in companies. Uh, There's not one owner of all these massive companies. They need uh, all kinds of capital to do their work. And so there's, you know, hundreds or even millions of owners of a company. Um, the owner isn't present to be able to take care of their interests. And so that's how you get boards of directors and the board appoints a CEO. And it's the financial information that's used to hold the, the steward to account. Yep. I have a question, Derek, and, and uh, our stakeholders, stakeholders, uh, in a, in a company that's that's open and has stakeholders, uh, are they the owners? I think I'm going to say yes, both and. So a stakeholder can be anybody. A stakeholder is somebody that has interest and um, has a need that you're serving in your company. So uh, a stakeholder can be an owner. A stakeholder can be a customer because they are getting served by the company. A stakeholder can be a vendor or a supplier to a company because they also have an interest in your success because then they're going to get paid for their service that they provided to you. Um, so I think I think it's all of the above. Even in a public company, you know, those stakeholders are your shareholders. And your stakeholders are a part of your board as well. So it's anybody that has an interest and your employees actually as well. So, so, Anne, we were talking about how the CFO gets to see everything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But one of the responsibilities of the CFO then is to help the company be accountable to all of its stakeholders. Another stakeholder is the government. Yes. And they want to get their slice for taxes. Another stakeholder might be a, a funder if they're giving out grants or you know, funding a research program or something like that. Um, now, Reed, I just looked up this quotation because I know I tried to go Lord of the Rings and you went Magnum PI. <laughs> but I wrote this down. It's in the book. Gandalf said, for I also am a steward. Did you not know? And Gandalf was this wizard that lived for 3,000 years and was supposed to like take care of the peoples. Um, I think that's that idea of stewardship is a really cool way to look at anyone's responsibilities. But I think uh, as, uh, as uh, CPAs, we're attuned to this idea of stakeholders. And I think it's something that we have to kind of offer the world. Um, go ahead, Anne. I would, I would also add to that, Derek. We're not only steward, and it kind of goes back to where we started, about why being a CFO is like the best job in the world. You might be a steward and, you know, generally people look at CPAs or CFOs as stewards. They're counting beans. They are accounting for stuff. Um, but that's the compliance side of the work that they do. The greatest part of the job, in my opinion, is the part where you're part of the moral compass of the company. You're part of the directional GPS, as you will. Um, if that's a, a good analogy, um, and you get to be part of um, impacting that company's purpose or path in delivering on on that stakeholder value. So, so the steward, the wise steward, doesn't just not waste his master's resources. <laughs> he magnet he magnifies them. He invests them well and makes them better. Yeah. And and for us, that's the funnest funnest part is making stuff better. Yeah. So, and maybe before we wrap up, why don't you talk a little bit about what we're doing to try and help CFOs be better, better stewards and better CFOs? Okay. I would love to talk to you about that. The um, Unconstrained CFO Forum is a forum that we've uh, set up. We've been in market testing for a little while, talking to CPAs. Um, in their career somewhere um, that are aspiring or already in that CFO role. And they are able to come together and talk about common problems around being an industry, being the sole finance leader in their organization and needing uh, support, not needing support, but getting value from support of their peers in solving business problems that they face um, because not all folks that work in industry that are not finance professionals, they don't really understand some of the, I don't know, rules of the game or some of the things that challenge CFOs to do the right thing or um, toe the line, yet do that by supporting the business to move forward. So being part of a networking group and um, working through some of the common business problems of being the lone CFO or the lone financial helper um, allows them to solve problems, take those problems back to their organizations um, with some solutions and um, implement and uh, move their career and their company forward. 
we're super excited about it. So you can find more information on that at unconstrainedcfo.com. And so if you're a CFO or aspiring CFO, there's some great stuff there. And uh, we'd love to talk to you. If you're a young person, one of our recent episodes was to the class of 2021. And you want a really interesting career where you're using your mind all the time to make things better. Uh, Anne and I would uh, love to talk to you as well uh, because there might be a cool career for you in accounting, even though that doesn't sound like a sentence that should make any sense at all. <laughs> um, Reed, I think, uh, I think we did it. What do you think? Are, is, are I'm very CFOs impressed. interesting? I I, I think it's very interesting. I'm looking forward to becoming a CFO from the rest of my life. I have, <laughs> until this point, been the CFO of my own finances and have horrifically failed. But I am looking forward to success from here on out. Anne McTaggart, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. We do appreciate it. And Derek, where can people find you? Read. it's easy to find me online. It's DerekHudson.ca, and Derek is D-E-R-E-K. Thank you. That's why you're not responding to my emails. Well, thank you very much for joining another episode of Essential Dynamics. Anne McTaggart was our special guest. Uh, Bryn Griffiths is our studio engineer. Derek Hudson is our guru. And I'm Reed McCollum saying, until next time, consider your quest. Mm-hmm.